Welcome back, talkers. It is Cello, your host of the I'm Just Talking show. I am one going to talk about uh, cancel culture and then probably in a little different of a way because that's just who I am. But I also wanted to make sure I said thank you to everybody who's listened to my episodes this far. This would be episode 10 if you include my little intro, which I'm probably going to re-record. I just wanted to say thanks. We're up to 117 total listens on Anchor. I, uh, I'm going to get the number wrong. I think it's 40 listens on Spotify. I don't know if Anchor and Spotify combine those. Um, and I don't really know how, because I'm still in my rookie season, how to look at the other places like uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, uh, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, uh, uh, CastBox, and I'm forgetting one. Uh, no, I guess that's a Radio Public. I think I said that one. So anyway, um, my, my channel is typically not research-based. It's basically opinion-based. Um, from little tidbits you get, you know, here and there, but I, I thought it was particularly important because this is a very big deal to do a little bit of research and have some things at my disposal to, to talk about. Um, I think that the first one I want to talk about is Dr. Seuss. Um, so I'm about a week behind on this, but Dr. Seuss's estate, which I think is the main point that I, that I like in this one, they decided that they were not going to publish six books. If I ran the zoo and to think I saw it on Mulberry, Mulberry Street, on Beyond Zebra, McElliott's Pool, I think that's only five. One, two, three, four, five. There's one other one that'll come up in this article that I'm looking at. And they decided not to publish these books anymore. So I don't even know if this is considered canceled cult, cancel culture. Um, a lot of People um, also think that this might be just be ultimately a business move. Um, I don't know that that means it's disingenuine. I just think that his estate decided that, you know, these books aren't going to go, they're not going to be published anymore. Uh, I've, my understanding is they're not very well selling in the first place. And maybe because of their racial overtones, they shouldn't be. And they shouldn't be, not even maybe. They uh, went on to sell a lot of books last week. They announced this on his birthday, and it just jump-started their, you know, this, whatever quarter it would be. He he sold 700 million copies globally. Um, Mulberry Street, in particular, depicts an Asian man with slanted eyes. It, this, this is a New York Times article, and it goes on to say that he actually was a little bit uncomfortable with the racial overtones in his books in his later years. He died in 1991. Uh, the Cat's Quizzer is the sixth book. They haven't sold some of these in, in years. Um, they only sold about 5,000 copies last year. And I think they made the the decision to not, to not sell these like a year ago, but they announced it on his birthday. Uh, strategic, in my opinion. Um, of course, we all grew up with like Green Eggs and Ham, uh, The Grinch, uh, Horton Hears a Who and all that stuff. And, you know, those are those aren't going away. Um, so we just have to look at this 
I think from a different lens, it is horrible that any of his books had any racial overtones. And I applaud the estate for saying, hey, this is not good. This is not what he would have wanted. And it's certainly not good for books that are mostly read by, you know, by parents, two children or four children. And they did the right thing. Ultimately, they did the right thing. We will never know or we could debate or I'll never know if it's a situation where they're genuine um, and if they're ready to, you know, acknowledge that this is bad and before they get canceled altogether, they pulled these. It says uh, that, and I got to look for it, he at some point decided, you know, in his later years, he died in 1991, um, that he started going, hey, this is not a good thing. Uh, there's hidden racism in here, and he didn't like, you know, some of those things. Um, I'm looking here, and there's some scrutiny on the cat in the hat about hidden racism there. Uh, I don't see... I, I didn't I didn't pick any of that up, um, you know, growing up as a kid. But then again, if I'm being honest, I don't remember even reading any of the other ones. Mulberry Street, I, I don't know, maybe. And maybe because that's, you know, a famous street in New York, who knows. Um, but, you know, he wrote that on in 1930... Six. So just imagine how the times that, that 1936 made that wasn't considered racist. There wasn't a culture of, you know, diversity, diversity and whatever. I mean, that's less than a hundred years from when the slaves were were, uh, were 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 granted emancipation, so freed. Um, so I mean, imagine it's it was normal and nobody would have batted an eyelash at that. Now you know we're almost a hundred years later and they're. They're, they're announcing that they're canceling. It's probably, you know, a long time coming. I was happy to read in here that, like I said, he, he started becoming uncomfortable in his later years about some of these things. And if that's true, then they, then they really are hopefully genuine in saying, hey, look, we want to get rid of these ones that are racial overtones and, you know, racial innuendo, stereotyping, and go in a direction that gives us you know, helps the, the push for a diversity, the push for, you know, inclusion, the, 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 the push to get all this. So I don't think that, I think the cancel culture comes into play that people didn't quite understand what he was, what the estate had done. And then they're like, oh my God, you know, you can't, you can't cancel Dr. Suits, he's an institution, and, you know, this is ridiculous, and, you know, it's overblown. Well, no, I don't think so. I think that they took it as Dr. Seuss was going away altogether, and we couldn't do that, and the people that I think on the other end who are, you know, trying maybe to preserve something start to overthink what is really going into what is going on with the whole scope of it. Again, I am a total inclusion person, mixed mixed children, uh, mixed child, I should say. I have one child that's uh, half Mexican, half Italian. Um, you know, my daughter has a mixed race child, so I'm all for it. I think that companies need to be preemptive. You'd like to think that they are genuine in being and preemptive and saying, "Hey, this is wrong," and we're not 
we're not going to participate and we don't need the money that these books would ultimately bring in. Although in this case, they weren't bringing much and his sales soared that day. Um, I mean, I like Dr. Seuss in the terms of, you know, the strange words he makes and I really like poetry. So, you know, but again, if he, if it turns out that he needs to, to go away because he has certain, you know, beliefs in life, then, then, then maybe that's what needs to happen. And I don't think I'd be too broken up about it. Again, they made a ton of money. Um, the, you know, in that, in those few days where this story broke and it happened to be his birthday and again, strategic, uh, coincidence, who knows? Um, if we're gonna talk about being an inclusive country, a diverse country and getting rid of racism and, you know, everybody matters, then, you know, we can't depict people in questionable ways. I mean, that goes back again, you know, when, if he was deemed, and I haven't seen any article and I, so far that says that, you know, he was a racist in times, I think he was trying to depict depict people as maybe they were depicted as in the terms of society at that time. Maybe because it was so, you know, it, it was a time when it was okay to depict an Asian man in a, in a, one of those hats. I forget the name of the hat in a hat with slanted eyes, you know, and maybe it was just innocent that that's what he was trying to include those people in because that's what he would have seen. Um, and it becomes questionable as we evolve as a society. And because we've evolved as a society, they must have recognized this a, a year ago and said, let's get rid of these. It's race. Here it says, Dr. Seuss is perhaps the most beloved children's book author to come under criticism for outdated, insensitive depictions of racial, ethnic, cultural, and gender differences. And if his estate really believes that, and again, taking his you know, kind of his changing heart towards some of these things. And I think they did the right thing. And I think that that ultimately gives them longevity, gives that brand longevity before it becomes cancel culture altogether. I'm not really interested in like looking up these books in terms of like what they depict or, or whatever. I mean, you could read about it. You're going to, it'll come across. I mean, there's going to be a meme, I'm sure, if there hasn't been already made about it. And I think we just need to be sensitive. Do we need to be, do we need to cancel Dr. Seuss? No. Um, we need to make sure that, you know, the people that are at the helm of these, these companies, these brands, these, you know, legacy um, brands, that they maybe understand that some of their content is, is outdated and wrong and it becomes, they, they get out in front of it and they say, Hey, um, it says that they, you know, had this in place already. So if, if that's the case, then, you know, it was just strategic in what they decided to do. Um, uh, it'll say, it says here it will cost, it's a children literature, literature scholar, Philip Nell, 
from uh, Kansas City University. It says, it will cause people to reevaluate the legacy of Dr. Seuss, and I think that's a good thing. My point exactly. Um, it it reevaluates the legacy there, but I think they were trying to say, and I and I didn't do a ton of ton of research, but it says here that because he had become uncomfortable in his later years, maybe sort of like a regret that there there's parts of his legacy that one should honor and parts of his legacy that they should not. So they're trying not to honor honor the legacies that made for bad racism um, depictions and ethnic, you know. Uh, almost said literature, well, literature too, but illustrations. So, you know, it sounds like Dr. Seuss is here to stay unless there's a push to cancel him. I think it sounded like more people were upset that he was getting canceled altogether, but that doesn't appear to be the case. I applaud his estate and his his legacy for saying, hey, we're going to get rid of these books. They're crap anyway, and we want to make sure that we are inclusive and welcoming to other people. Um, so Dr. Seuss did not get canceled, like, as far as I can tell, but he certainly, they almost created the controversy on themselves by announcing that they were canceling these books, and ultimately, I think it worked out for them dollars and cents wise, because they, they have proven that they're not interested in participating in racial, ethnic, um, and gender biases, so good for them. Again, you'll never know if it's if it's um, genuine, but you know it, it gives people things to talk about. I'm talking about Dr. Seuss, and I can't remember the last time any of my kids had a Dr. Seuss book. So it's it's helped in them, and it doesn't sound like it's hurting them. And maybe if they're genuine, the the market, as Gary Vee would say, knows that they're genuine and they're true, and that's gonna you know go go with them. Um, I want to talk about Mr. Potato Head next because I think this one is very important. Because, again, Hasbro announced that they were going to drop the Mr. Potato Head from the brand's name in order to be more inclusive. And I think that's very important. Um, but again, I think it over it overdid the situation where they also had to tweet later that afternoon that they're not going to stop selling Mr. or Mrs. Potato Head. They're just going to sort of rebrand to include a Potato Head in um, in addition to the Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head characters. Why is this important? Especially nowadays, it's more acceptable to associate yourself with d- different genders or a different gender than you were, you know, given um, at birth. Now, granted, we can get into the religious side of this, and that's not what I'm going for, but of course, if uh, anybody who has a comment or wants to you know, bring that up, you know, maybe that's a discussion for a later day, but it says that Hasbro created confusion Thursday, so this must have been last Thursday, or Thursday before, um, that it will drop Mr. Potato Head's brand name in order, this is by the uh, AP, by the way, in order to be more inclusive, so all can feel welcome in the Potato Head world, and that's basically what it boils down to, it also said it would sell a new playlist this fall, a playset this fall without Mr. and Mrs. designations that will let kids create their own type of potato families, including two mom or two dad. I mean, this is good, right? I mean, at the end of the day, this is what families are. Families sometimes have two dads now, sometimes have two moms. You know, there's an increasing ones that have just one father um, or one mother. Um, so, you know, that would be a Miss Potato Head if she wasn't married. Is that right? 
So would we be up in arms of that? Probably not. I think that they did the right thing here again. This ultimately helps them make more money because people who have two, you know, houses, I'm sorry, homes that have two moms or two dads, they're, they're certainly going to be like, hey, this is more of what's reality for us. This is more of what our family looks like. Um, you know, it's, it's basically a tangible thing for those people. Like, for example, you know, you see a lot more now interracial couples on uh, commercials. And that's what, you know, families are. You know, they're interracial. They're integrated. Two moms, two dads, um, you know, and things like that. Um, later in the day, they, they clarified what the brand is changing, that Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head characters will still live on and be sold in stores. And a picture posted on the Twitter and Mr. and Mrs. names are less prominently displayed at the bottom of the box instead of the top. So, um, um, it, the quote, I don't, the company tweeted, it says, while it announced today that the Potato Head brands and name, brand and name logo are dropping the Mr., I am very proud to confirm that Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, this is in capitals, aren't going anywhere and remain Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. So, I think of this one as their family is expanding. Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head are a, you know, the, the patriarch and the matriarch of the family, and they had a potato head that may have been born a boy but decided he didn't want to be classified as such. He just wanted to be potato head. So, it's... It makes perfect sense. A lot of kids, you know, in certain age groups um, are starting to, you know, not be afraid to put their real self out there or how they feel. You know, the big one, you know, in recent years was Kendall Jenner. Uh, no, it's not Kendall Jenner. I'm sorry. Caitlyn Jenner, formerly Bruce Jenner, decided, you know, he was telling the world that he was he was changing, you know, becoming uh, Caitlyn Jenner. So at that point, you're just, it's just, it's time. It's time to have that, you know, maybe there's a kid who's three, four years old that doesn't know. And this is where the controversy probably can, maybe the kid doesn't know that, you know, what they feel is different or, you know, maybe they don't identify for some reason. They won't know that, they're not a mister or they're a missus. They're just a potato head, you know? Um, I do think that it's important that they notice that that it, they wanted to integrate, like, two moms and two dads. I, I think that's very, very important. Um, uh, the tweet came after news of brand name change exploded on Twitter with people asking if Barbie will change her names next. Uh, Hasbro needs to stop, you know, and that's, and that's crazy. Like, maybe, ha I don't know the the history behind the name Hasbro, but does it have to be, can it just be has, is what they're saying here. I, I think we make too many, we're making too many assumptions because we're not sitting, we're not a fly on the wall. But again, if that's true to what their brand wants to be, they want to be inclusive, why is that a problem? Why Why do people care? You know what I mean? Like, I just can't understand. It's the same with like racism in general. Like you, you got to have experiences with these people. I remember in the early, early, early days of one of my restaurant careers, there was a, a born male person who was openly having 
you know, taking hormones to change into a woman. And it wasn't normal then, but it, it, it wasn't awkward either. It was just, we knew that person. I forget their name, but uh, we knew that's what was going on. I know another person that, you know, has gone through that. And it is what it is. You, you could tell by those two people that that was genuine. It wasn't something that, you know, that was who they really are. And, and I, and again, we have to embrace this and a company's almost again, financially, if they want to survive, they have to evolve in this set. Again, no one's taken away Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. You will be able to buy Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head if you prefer. But if you have a blended, you know, a, a two mom and two dad household or, or, you know, you get to a place where, you know, the kid wants to maybe don't call me him. Just call me. I, I don't know what, I, I mean, I'm not well versed, but, you know, whatever pronoun they want to use for themselves, maybe potato head is, is appropriate. And again, I don't think that we put enough stock into inclusion and seeing people who look like you or act like you or, you know, and I think that's why people hide. People don't, you know, for a long time and maybe still do. They don't want to say that they're gay or that they're bi, you know, or, or any of those things because there wasn't anybody out there that they could look up to. There wasn't anybody out there that they can say, hey, that person's like me. You know, the RuPaul's of the world made it famous in a time when it was probably not as common now, you know, and those people being brave is what helps. And if these companies are really trying to change, help change the world because they're iconic, they're being brave and putting their brand out there. And there might be a detriment. Maybe they don't sell as many, you know, Mr. They don't sell any potato heads. Maybe they don't sell any Mr. and Mrs. Potato Heads as they did the year before. You know, it's an iconic brand. I think every kid in America probably had the Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. But it but it goes by why, you know, at some point, I'm sure it wasn't Mrs. Potato Head. I'm sure at some point they had to have, like, expand their brand to Mr. Potato Head because little girls wanted to put, you know, makeup and eyelashes um, on a Mr. Potato Head, but they couldn't because that brand wasn't made. You know, Mickey as a mini. You know what I mean? It just has to be. This is what our world is. This is definitely what our country is. So, we, you know, what if, you know, would, any, would anybody give a, give a rat's ass if they decided to make a Mr. Sweet Potato? No. You know what I mean? It's a different kind of a potato. Potatoes are different too, kind of a thing. You just, you know, we, they, again, I, we didn't cancel, or they didn't cancel Mr. Potato Head. There isn't a, a movement, to my understanding, to cancel Mr. Potato Head over this decision. Again, I didn't look that far. I mean, you can go down this rabbit hole and God knows it could become some other thing depending on where you look. So, um, they're looking to broaden the franchise. Robert Piscoff, founder of marketing consultant and brand consultancy brand keys. I mean, of course. It, and again, do you do you do you go down that rabbit hole and say, oh, they're just being uh, you know, financially responsible because they need to make more money. Sales of Mr. and Mr. Potato Head have slowed. Well, that could be, and they could say, you know what, maybe we're not diverse enough. And maybe there's not enough, um, you know, potato heads out there. Maybe there's a group of kids who call themselves potato heads. And, you know, that led to this, and it has nothing to do with diversity. Who knows? We just, again, cancel culture, um, is really, is it really a culture? Or 
Is it so much of a culture that these companies are trying to get ahead of it and go, you know what, maybe we need to pay attention because we don't have a way to include a, a blended family. You know, we don't have anything that speaks to GLAD or LGBTQ communities. Um, and, and we want to be a part of that conversation. You know, we want to, we want to get to, you know, something else. Um, it says many toy makers have been updating their classic brands in recent years, hoping to relate to today's kids and reflect more modern families. I mean, again, that's what it is, right? It's, it's relating to the people whom are your consumers, who are going to further your brand and ultimately, you know, hopefully it's genuine and you feel good. Um, I don't know how to say this name, but it's a potato said Ali Miser Juski, editor in chief of toy reviews site, the toy insider about the new playset. But the kids like to see themselves in toys they're playing with, right? You know, another one you can go back to is, you know, a lot of African-American uh, girls probably didn't have a bunch of African representation in the doll market, you know? And again, that's discussion for another day. And I'm going to, I'm actually probably going to do a um, a podcast on that, um, which brings me to another point here in just a second. But, you know... Little girls are playing and taking care of white dolls. You know what I mean? Um, Barbie, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed. Don't look like anybody in my family either. So if my sister wanted a Barbie, she had to play with a blonde hair, blue eyed Barbie with the, you know, uh, and, you know, an unrealistic, you know, waist. My sister is, you know, dark haired, olive skinned, brown eyes, you know. There's no Barbie like that. Or there wasn't in the early, early days, right? So... Um, on on the the representation part, um, my boys over at the Jabroni Bros pot wrestling podcast, um, they did a thing about how Bobby Lashley became the WWE champion, and that's that's good so that kids like them, two African American guys, um, get to see someone who's a a, a figure of power. He's the champ. He's a he's an African American black man and. He's huge and he's ripped and he looks like a superhero. You know, I think we need that as a society so that kids can think that they can make it. You know, Bruno San Martino was huge in our community, in the Italian community. People love that man. And wrestling has done this over the years. Like, he was a star because he portrayed to that to that um, ethnicity. Uh, Pedro Morales was the, you know, the Mexican or the Hispanic. I think Pedro Morales was actually, I don't remember if he was Mexican or not, but he was a Hispanic wrestler. Um, it's the, you know, Hulk Hogan has told the story who is not Irish, by the way, but he was tall, he was blonde haired and, um, Vince McMahon pegged him as Hogan so that they can, you know, um, reach out to the Irish community in the late sixties. And well, I guess it would have been the late seventies, mid seventies, early eighties. And that's, you know, could be why Hogan was so huge. He's actually French Italian, by the way. But, um, you know, I, I think Mr. Potato Head became, is more of the inclusion where they, whereas Dr. Seuss subtracted something to create a community where, hey, come in here, we're not this way. Mr. Potato Head created, hey, this is some place you can come to. And we're going to, you know, we, uh, we love you just as much. And I think that they should have done that. And that's good for them. I mean, they did it. And um, I'm happy that they did do it because you never know, you know, I'm, I'm starting to have grandkids and who knows what, what they're going to turn out to be or what their heart is going to tell them to be. And again, you know, we want to include and be uh, one, 
one nation, so to speak, in that in that respect. <laughs> Apparently, American Girl is selling a boy doll now. Um, think I'm gonna do Pepe Le Pew next because this one's a little. This one is cancel culture, and it's probably appropriate cancel culture, um, in the sense that, again, I want to say that Warner Brothers decided. Uh, let me look. I read this article yesterday, and I should have. Um. Yeah, that's a long pause on my part. I apologize. Uh, they, uh, Pepe Le Pew's, uh, he's he's coming out of the Space Jam, the new Space Jam movie, that Warner, uh, the weekend, the name surface reported. Lacariously, predatory skunk won't appear in the sequel to Space Jam, A New Legacy, due out in July, after the scene involving Pepe, shot by the film's first director, was cut. Uh, Deadspin reported that, but I think this is a Washington Post, by the way, um, article. Um, Pepe Le Pew, he came around in the World War II era, um, canceling basically because he perpetuates rape culture. I will say that I never got that um, watching Pepe Le Pew. Um, as a young kid, cause that, you know, I'm a seventies kid born in 75, late eighties. These were still some of the cartoons that were still on TV at the time. And I never caught that. Like I never thought to myself, let me go chase this girl around and then try to force her to kiss me. Totally not who I am. Um, but again, that, that brings to a point that I didn't bring up, but yet, but in this case, the, the thought that he perpetuates violence on women is a sign of that times. It, it goes on to, this article does go on to say that the guy that, I want to say it was Chuck Jones was the one that he had, this was kind of his like personality where he, he felt like he was God's gift and why any woman would push back on his advances. Uh, he, he was always baffled by. So in that context, if you knew that history and you were calling for this guy to be um, Warner Brothers to cancel this character, that makes perfect sense because this guy was an extension and he was misogynistic in that sense. Um, and when you look back and you really think about it, you go, yeah, you know, that's very terrible symbolism and that's very misogynistic and it is sort of rape culture in that sense where men can just throw themselves on women and the woman has to give in. Although I don't remember the cat who the irony there is that he was chasing a cat, not a skunk. So he was pretty much an idiot, I guess he was, uh, the cat never gave in. It was like his constant pursuit of this cat who he was in love with and she wasn't in love with him. So we definitely have to look at that through the lens of, is this going to create some little boy to chase a girl um, and and not give up and be persistent? Or does it become not give up, be persistent, and then not take no for an answer? And again, I had a mother that was very vocal. If you guys listened to my last podcast about the women in my life, that was very open about, you know, if you, if you hurt a woman or you, you know, abuse a woman, then she'll be, my mom would be the first at the line to, to knock me out. So I, I never got that. And, and, and people in your homes, do you have a certain amount of responsibility to teach your kids about these sorts of things? Like maybe I'm oblivious, but SpongeBob, a lot of parents in the, in the time my son grew up, they didn't let 
their their son watch, you know, SpongeBob, um, for whatever the reason. And I and again, I I'd have to go back and analyze, and I don't know that I have enough energy to analyze SpongeBob. But I think the popularity of Pepe Le Pew was it might it might not even be that popular. I mean, he was funny, I guess, back in them back in those days. But again, 1949, men pursued women in an aggressive manner. Women were you know, expected it to a degree to uh, not talk about these things. You know, the Me Too movement was, is, is maybe this is two years or three years too late where they they should have talked about Pepe Le Pew during that time. You know, uh, Weinstein um, is on trial, as he should be, because men took advantage of women, and, and they still do. I think maybe they're not as outwardly about it. You know, uh, and 1949 was a long time ago. You know, it's, my mom was only born a couple of years before that. So it's outdated. It's inappropriate. It's dangerous if, if, if the, the household in general isn't, you know, giving kids like, hey, this is not really how you would pursue a woman. You know, you ask her out. She says, no, you leave it at that. Or, you know, you talk to her, you get to know her, you know. You ask her out on a date and take her to a nice restaurant. You don't run around, you know, putting your arms around her to where she has to, you know, push you away. You know, uh, there is much more at stake in this conversation in terms of violence. Well, maybe that's not true either. There was just much more. I could see this one more as a cancel culture topic. Versus the other two where they came out and said that they were doing X, Y, and Z to be more inclusive. Um, Pepe Le Pew becomes, let's erase him altogether. Um, and he's canceled. Um, they could, I guess, reinvent him. Um, but I, I don't see the need for that. I don't see that this character needs that longevity. I don't see that little boys need to learn how to chase women from a skunk who's chasing a cat. Um, you know... And maybe, maybe at some point they decide that, you know, they want to re, you know, maybe this cancel culture dies down, um, where they can reinvent Pepe Le Pew and he becomes more, more, uh, the romantic type. Although maybe in 1949, it was romantic that a man constantly pursued you and never let you, um, breathe with before you, you know, you asked him out. And if you think about it, you think about um, harassment law as well. Like, her, this is like basic harassment. Like, you can, you know, you can go to somebody in the workplace, you know, that you're interested in and say, hey, you know, I'd like to take you out to dinner. And they no, you know, I'm not interested. And you leave it at that, you don't get in trouble. But if they say, no, I'm not interested, or hey, I have a boyfriend, and then you keep going, hey, come on, you know, let me, let me take you out. Come on, when are you going to go out with me? You know, and you don't take no for an answer. That's where your problem is, right? And and I think that that's what this character kind of perpetuated was, I'm going to get this this cat who he thought was a skunk, you know, I'm going to get her at all costs. And you need to make sure that you don't, you don't act that way as a male or a female. Because, you know, in this case, you know, females pursue females now. Males pursue males now. Um, and rape culture, I'm sure is not gender specific, you know, a man can rape another man, uh, a woman can rape another woman, you know, you can have varying degrees of rape in a relationship, um, 
and you don't think of it that way, but you know, it, it, it happens. So this one was, was a good one. I don't think that the other, I think the other two were good because I think at the heart of what those companies were doing is they're being inclusive. This one, if Warner Brothers was the one to make the call to, to discontinue then again it's not really part of the cancel culture in terms of a group of people rallied and then a bunch of other people decided that oh this is a great idea and then it starts this whirlwind um warner brothers is, is doing the right thing again but i think um if you're going to look at old school cartoon characters and say hey this is cancel culture this one makes a lot of sense it makes a lot of sense because you again as a young kid like I never thought that I could find a stick of dynamite and blow my brother up and he was going to come back to life the next week. You know, you don't think of that. But so in this case, they they decided that, you know, Pepe Le Pew was not a brand that needed the extension. There's no way to be inclusive in rape culture. There's no way to further this character without it being considered aggressive, um, misogynistic, and over-the-top, you know, pursuit aggressive pursuit of, you know, someone you're interested in. It's very, very important to not be that way, you know, not take advantage of, you know, a, a woman, you know, or a male or whatever it is, or whatever the, the you know, the dynamic in, the, in that situation would be. Um, they put a little blurb in here about Speedy Gonzalez, and there's some, some differing uh, voices in there, but um, from people who think that Speedy Gonzalez did their culture. There was a Mexican gentleman in here. Uh, I forget his name. I have to look it up. Uh, where, uh, the Speedy Gonzalez, um, Lalo Alcarez, he, and he, he says he enjoyed the, the, the Speedy Gonzalez cause he was more of a superhero-ish where other people think that he was perpetuating a stereotype. There's a blurb in here about uh, Bugs Bunny's mate, Lola Bunny, how they changed her, they were able to change her character to portray a strong woman who had good basketball skill, rather than making her um, very sexualized, um, where, you know, she was in shorter shorts and things like that. So, as these brands evolve, they can recapture or re- invent a character and make them like i.e the, the potato head inclusive and more what the the character would portray in today's life to update their their library but when you have a guy that's chasing around the opposite sex um stupidly in a sense because he doesn't know what he's chasing um you don't need to update that you don't need to further that and i and i think i understand that's why they did it I'm not losing sleep over Pepe Le Pew, if I'm being honest. You know, Woody Woodpecker might be my favorite um, cartoon of all time. And I'd have to go back and look to see if there's some sort of innuendo or something in there. Um, you know, to where maybe he gets canceled or maybe... I don't even know who the parent company of that is. Maybe that is Warner Brothers too. Maybe they decide that they don't want to do that. You know, they don't want to you know portray him. But again, you don't think about these things a lot until they're brought up. But again, Wiley Coyote chases the Roadrunner trying to kill him. I, again, I never wanted to drop an anvil on my brother's head. I did, we, I gave my brothers more pile drivers not understanding that wrestling was scripted and, and safe, even though it, you know, it was all stuntman type stuff. But, you know, that goes back to my, my parents tried. I mean, there was a bunch of us boys in the house. So it was very hard to keep tabs on us all the time. So the portray 
the portraying of sexual aggression is very negative. Um, and I think that they did the right thing here and stopping that as a, uh, as a character. Um, I don't anticipate in, that they'll come out with any kind of uh, Pepe Le Pew 2021. Uh, you know, they might, but who cares if they don't, right? The next one, and I'm going to have to give you a disclosure on this. I am a huge Eminem fan. Um, he did so much for me through his lyrics. Um, you know, our lives parallel a little bit, except for he's a famous rapper and I'm not. But we, we both had infant daughters at the time. And, you know, there was a time I was single and I could definitely relate to like having a hard time putting food on the table um, and, you know, trying to save up money, you know, for a, a baby that you're not financially prepared to have. Um, of course, being, you know, a white kid or even other than a black kid, depending on what side of the fence you're on with the ethnicity of my ethnicity or whatever. But, you know, he, he was a white kid that made it. Um, he still makes relevant music, but he is very, you know, Gen Z wants to cancel Eminem. Um, this is by Forbes. Um, his millennial fans should be proud. Um, I didn't read a bunch of this, um, but what I do know is that, I guess on TikTok, you know, Eminem's been around 25 years. So again, his music has changed um, in that sense where, sure, he... He talked about homosexuals back then. And again, I'm not excusing it because I'm a fan. Um, I tend to look deeper into the hip-hop, the lyricism of hip-hop. So that's a, that's another topic I, you know, I mentioned in my bio that I, that I would want to do. And now, you know, I love hip-hop music. So, but he is, he has some abusive overtones. Um, the can't, the latest attempt, apparently there's been more, is because of his line in Love the Way You Lie with uh, Rihanna is... Uh, if she ever tries to fucking leave again, I'll tie her to the bed and set this house on fire. I think he starts that line with, I know that I'm a liar. Um, so what I think is important about this particular song is that the lyrics are very, very aggressive. And I contradict myself a little bit in saying, you know, Pepe Le Pew was aggressive and maybe he should be canceled. But I think the fact that Rihanna was a part of this song made it the song that it was because he's aggressive because he's talking about a volcano meets a uh, tornado meets a volcano or a volcano meets a tornado and that's what abusive relationships sometimes are granted there's probably way more where the man is disturbed and he's an abuser and he's abusing her for little to no reason and there's really no reason to abuse people like, you know, to be an abusive husband where you beat up your wife, you know. But there is also mutual abusive relationships, I believe, where both people are, you know, violent towards each other, verbally aggressive. And I think that that's what this song is really about, is the abusive nature of abusive relationships where it's mutually abusive on both sides. And in Rihanna's case with the Chris Brown, I don't believe that that was the case. Um, but... One of the things that I like most about the video to this song is I feel that there's real emotion in it. If you look at Rihanna's face in those in that video, 
you can see the real expression. You can see the real pain in her voice. Um, you can see the, the pain on her face. And it might have been more therapeutic. And I think if he does it with anybody else, it just becomes a, an aggressive Eminem song. Um, and I think that you have to kind of take that context of, again, you take the context of the Pepe Le Pew and Dr. Seuss and, you know, Mr. Potato Head too, where they evolve, they're evolving their brand to realize that this kind of music isn't really, I mean, or this kind of, he's evolving his brand where this music, he's not going to, this music, this song is not going to go away. But if you look, he's got, you know, beautiful, He's got Not Afraid. You know, he's got a couple of different anthems, you know, that have shown that he's grown as a person. He's grown as an artist. And like those other brands, they're saying, hey, it's time we move away from this. You're not going to get rid of the song, I don't think. I mean, God, it was 11 years ago. Um, not that long ago. I'm just thinking, wow, I can't believe it was hit. It was on that. It was that long ago that he made that song. Um and, you know, he's putting out a little bit more, you know, therapeutic anthems than he is, you know, that he's going to set the house on fire. So while I understand what they're trying to do here to say, you know, Eminem, you shouldn't be, you know, this hit is is dangerous for women because somebody's going to, you know, enjoy you, enjoy your music, and they're going to really set the house on fire because they're thinking that you're going to do it. And again, that goes back to your upbringing, you know, maybe your mental health, and um, you need to, you know, get some help if you're having those thoughts. Um, I don't think canceling Eminem is really going to happen. Um, I still have a lot of his stuff on my playlists and stuff. Um, and, you know, if it does, that that would be tough for me because, I, I, again, I feel like I connected to this guy. And I still didn't want to kill my baby mama. You know, I didn't want to drive her off of a dock in a car, you know, like the Stan kid did. But again, that song, while graphic, gives you the insight to what some people may think. And, and you know, somebody would come forward, I'd say, you know, Eminem saved my life. You know, I listened to Stan and thought, wow, I can't really do this. And they go get help. Um... You know, Eminem's been pretty vocal about, you know, his alter ego, and I almost feel like, and I've, I I should, you know, I'm a big fan, but again, I'm not a researcher, I'm not a guy that's going to read every article on Eminem and, you know, try to be him or whatever, but again, I'm not like that, I'm not an obsessed guy in that sense, I love his music, um, it, his anthems, like Lose Yourself, it gets me pumped when I'm on a run, but, you know, how many people has he helped? You know, he, because he had this alter ego and he was able to channel that alter ego to put out this music, you know, he hates, you know, he did a hate, he did I Hate My Mom Forever, but then he did a song um, with Nate, was it Nate Roos? Um, Headlights, and it's like, you know, I love my mom, we grew up tough, you know, she's my mom and I'll always love her. So his music has changed and I think picking out this one line while it's one of the more dramatic lines you'll ever hear, probably, I don't think it did him enough, it didn't do him enough justice in terms of what his music has been the last half of this, you know, that decade, 
you know, he, he came out with beautiful, um, like I said, headlights, not afraid. You know, it's only recently he got back into clowning and trashing people. You know, people are coming at him, Machine Gun Kelly and, and all these guys, you know, are coming after him. So he's going to put out that that uh, angst and that Slim Shady persona. But I think he's shown, I guess, kind of similar to the other ones that, that he softened and that, you know, maybe lyrics like this aren't going to be the norm for him anymore. But he's so clever with his words. I think that he was able to, in every verse of this song, have you understand how there is mental challenges in relationships and severe mental illness and aggression in these relationships, how you can love somebody and then think that it's okay to attire to the bed and set this fucking house on fire. Um, and, and that would be normal. And where I think I'm able to kind of rationalize it is, is that he's basically saying you should not be like this. And again, I, I saved this one for last because I'm probably a little bit more biased because I think that by listening to him have that angst in his voice and listening to him over the years talk about his his baby daughter Haley. Um, and I had a baby daughter Bella at the time and it it made me want to work hard to protect her and and not do some stupid shit like, you know, go on to, uh, you know, fight with her mother or kill her mother. Um, you know, you think, you think back to his song too, uh, Guilty Conscience, where the conflict between, you know, the guy walks in on his wife after working a hard day. That's a real situation that someone can walk up upon. And sure, at the end of that song, you know, he, he kills them, but maybe Eminem's song in some twist, some strange way helps people. Whereas I think Dr. Seuss depicting an Asian man on Mulberry Street doesn't help anybody. Where I think lacking the inclusion of Mr. Potato Head having a Potato Head counterpart doesn't... Um, that helps people bring in, you know, again. And then Pepe Le Pew showing boys that it's okay to, you know, give to aggressively pursue a woman is not okay. It is not okay that Eminem said, he, if she ever tries to leave again, I'll tie her to the bed and set the house on fire. But I think because it's music, there it might be, there might be this strange sort of twist where it gives you some hope that, wow, other people are in this and they can get out. You know what I mean? Um, I want to say... That's the last line of the song. Um, and it's interesting that they that they picked that rather than saying, I love you so much to walk away though. You know, um, which is probably a mother, you know, and you could pick out any line in this entire song and go, wow. But they hate, they, they love to hate each other. And to break away from that, you have to be strong. And you you have to find that that's that strength to walk away. I love you too much to walk away though. Pick up your bags off the sidewalk. Don't you hear sincerity in my voice when I talk? You know, um, 
Eminem has never pulled any punches, rap wise or not wise, to say, you know, these, the, the, you know, this is my entertainment. You know, a lot he talks a lot about his past, um, and I'm sure him and Kim had a, a volatile relationship. So he's expressing his feelings on that. But I also know that if you were to give him the opportunity to to explain it, and I and I read it, I don't remember if it was this article. I read an article, a little blurb on Instagram where. He purposely did it with Rihanna because of what it was. Looks like this is the lady. Uh, oh, no, this is somebody, you know, leave him alone. Um, there's, you know, music is, it tames the savage beast. And I think that it doesn't give Eminem a pass for having a misogynistic song or a violent song. But what I think it does is it allows you to... To dis, to dispel belief, where you know Mr. Potato Head and Dr. Seuss are trying to include um, people. Dr. Seuss addition by subtraction, where they're subtracting the stuff that's hurtful to allow more people to come into the group. Mr. Potato Head is including a person that should already have been in the group. Where Eminem, you you go into this world, um, you know, where you're not. You're not yourself for a moment, and the beat gets you. And again, it could could affect you in different ways. I just think that, you know, you can't buy cancel Eminem when, if you if you look enough about his body of work, he's evolved, he's changed, and he did a lot of what they did, where his music isn't really about those things anymore. It's about, um. It's about him evolving. He went through addiction. You know what I mean? He had some songs that were very, very fucking strange. And they're not my favorite songs because they're weird and because they're not what I think Eminem is. But, um, you know, he he's iconic, just like these other brands. And I think he's smart enough to know that he, he already made a song, I forget what it's called, um, rebutting it. Um, but, so, uh, I forget what it's called, but he, and I haven't listened to it yet because honestly I've been, been doing this. I think there is power in the market though. And I think because there's power in the market, anybody can, you can find anything about anybody to cancel them over. I would believe, um, it happens in politics all the time. You know, um, and um, we we have to be careful about what we cancel and how we cancel it. I do believe we need to cancel things like racism, um, systematic racism. Um, there is definitely a lot um, on the way of being inclusive for LGBTQ people, um, transgender folks. Um, but I also think that, you know, if Eminem drops a new song to a degree that has people um, go um, um, hmm, maybe he hasn't learned his lesson then he might get cancelled you know for the first time I have a red flag on here so I'm going to have to just sum it up real quick in four minutes or less listen Dr. Seuss, Mr. Potato Head they are being inclusive. I applaud their companies. Hopefully it's genuine. 
Uh, Pepe Le Pew, probably out, not probably, is outdated, doesn't need to happen, needs to get rid of it, so we're good with that. Um, I don't think Eminem needs to be canceled. Um, Eminem has evolved enough, and I think he's he's taken the next step in his career. Um, all right, peace, unity, equality. Love y'all. Remember to like, follow me on Instagram. I'm just talking. Love y'all. See you next week.